In terms of just functional nutrition and supporting women, I landed in this space like so many other women because I went through my own health journey for so many years. I mean, I grew up as a kid who like in the 90s, just, you know, my mom did the best she could, but it was still just like processed food and the awareness was not there. And so I grew up, yeah, just like eating that typical 90s processed diet. And once I got my cycle, it was like everything just shifted for me in not in a good way. I just had a ton of symptoms. My cycles were always like really painful, like scary. Mm -hmm. And it just instilled like this fear in me. And there was like, again, not enough education. So I went through such a journey with that and then bring in like body image stuff and chronic dieting. And again, like, unfortunately, such a common story. And through different parts of my life, I started to just like zone in on nutrition. And then that led me to CrossFit. And I found the paleo diet. And I read a book and I read about the NTA. And I decided at that point to actually shift careers. Like I was going to school to become an English teacher. And like, it was just like, my life was calling to something else. I was like, I really, I've always wanted to help women and teach. And yeah, I went to the NTA. Actually, first I went to a master's in health education and that solidified, like, I do not want to be in the, you know, mainstream public health sphere. So when I found the NTA, I just like, was like, I'm home. I found my people. I found my purpose. I am excited to do this. And I dove in and I just started to help anyone that wanted my help. I wanted to talk about whoever, you know, whoever would listen to me, I was there and I started teaching classes and bringing on clients. And, you know, fast forward, I became a mom. Like really, that was it. Like I went through pregnancy. I went through postpartum. I went through postpartum in a really difficult time to be postpartum. Like my son was born just a few months before the pandemic. And that just like, Mm -hmm. that was it for me. I was like, there is just not enough support. There's definitely not enough education. We are normalizing way too much and, you know, symptoms and also just like putting labels on things that are actually like a, a sign of potentially something going on at the root, but also, you know, labeling things that are quite normal. So there was just this pull and I felt like I want to try as best as possible to like fill a gap and help women in this time period where there just isn't a lot of support. Yeah. And that's kind of like where I landed and just like helping moms and helping moms through what I call the different seasons of motherhood, because, you know, it's, it's unique as women. There's so much that's across the board for all of us, but I know for just even myself, like once I became a mom, like, oh, things are different now. My priorities are different. My time is different. My body's different. And I have to learn how to like care for myself in this space. So I just wanted to help women do that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Thanks for sharing. And of course, Gabby and I aren't moms yet. But we're really looking forward to being moms one day. And I think that you bring such a lightness to such, like, I don't want to say heavy topics, but topics that can be so nuanced for sure. You're integrating so much in the space that you're in. So what would you say is one of the top struggles that you see with the moms that you work with? There's quite a few. I think a lot of women, especially as like they're becoming moms for the first time are just struggling with like the, the entire identity shift that that brings. How do I leave behind certain parts of myself and, and grow into these new ones? How do I just like figure out how to nourish myself, how to prioritize myself, how to care for myself when things are so different. And what I see for so many of my clients is like, they're just following what society tells them, right? And it's not any fault of their own, but like what their mothers did, what the mothers they know have done, and just like putting their kids 
first to a point where they are putting themselves last. And there's so many women that I have to like almost reconvince. You deserve to be nourished. I work with so many women that are going so many hours throughout the day without even like thinking that they need to eat food or drink water or, you know, they're so in tune to their baby's needs, which again is a normal part of motherhood, but, you know, helping to like reel them back into that and learn that things have changed and they have to kind of shift accordingly. And with that, I think the body changes is another one. And again, it's a societal thing, but like, why have I not lost the baby weight? Why, you know, is my body a different shape? Why is it, you know, so much more difficult to lose weight than I experienced in the past and just understanding, like helping them to understand the major changes that they're bodies have gone through and the different priorities that their bodies have. That's another really, really common thing among my clients. Even the ones that know I need deeper healing. I need to replenish my body. I need to restore my nutrients and all these things. They still, you know, it it still pops up for them, the body image and that kind of stuff. And how do you go about with nutrition and all of that? How do you go about navigating that knowing that like some people, they what they desire is there for their body to feel like their own again. But at the same time, like, you're saying they know that they need to nourish themselves and so they're not going to restrict themselves but at the same time they want their body to feel at home how do you approach that I think it's it's it depends on the woman and I always talk to my clients about like their history it's something that I ask in like a health intake and we go over like what is your history with your relationship with your body and with nutrition and dieting and you know I'm I haven't had many clients at least who have come forward and said, like, I had a diagnosed eating disorder. But, you know, I do, if that is something that pops up, like, I'm always recommending and referring out and and hoping that my clients want to collaborate. And I tell them, like, you know, if this is beyond my scope, like, I'm going to help you. And hopefully there's a major education piece that comes with it for me, helping them to, like, actually understand. But I think that the the mental health support is really, really important. And it takes time for many women. And, and it takes for so many of the women that I work with. It's like this concept of like nourishing their bodies. It's not just something that shifted in postpartum. I have a client who's in her 60s who is just like, I dieted for decades of my life. And it takes them to actually nourish themselves and understand how good they can feel for them to be like, oh, I've been chasing the I don't want to say wrong because I never want to say anyone's goals are wrong or right, but maybe not the most aligned goal for me. So it's it's definitely a process. It's definitely collaborative. And I'm an open book with my clients and I just like to create the safest space for them. Again, I'm not anti-weight loss. I'm not going to tell anyone how to feel about their bodies. I want that to be like a, a discussion that we have. And like I said, if it's something that I think is more pressing that we can work through together, I will refer them out. I will send them resources. I actually have a a growing list of wonderful podcast episodes on this topic that I will send my clients. I'm like, hey, maybe you need to hear from someone else. Maybe you want to hear a different perspective on it. Maybe you want to, you know, listen to women that have gone through this and what their thoughts are. And I would say for 99% of my clients, it's a shift. It's a something that occurs and they're like, oh, I get it now. And many of my clients work with me for quite a long time and realize like, oh, I'm feeling really good. My health markers have improved. And now all of a sudden my clothes are fitting different and I am releasing some of that weight. And sometimes there's an emotional element to that too. So yeah, I know that's not like a straightforward answer, but it's like so complex. Yeah. I didn't expect it to be one. And I love that you mentioned that it's not up to you. Like as practitioners, it's not up to us to tell somebody how they should be feeling in their body or to say something like, you're beautiful. You just had a baby. Remember that you just did this. It's like, that's very invalidating. And it's not up to us to tell someone how 
they should be feeling. But at the same time, we're, we're teaching how to nourish and how to naturally have your body fall back into place. And we've talked about this before, the pendulum swing. And I think this can relate to postpartum, the pendulum swing from diet culture was like, okay, and one end were diet culture, you're eating special K. And then the other pendulum is like, you're not allowed to want to change your body. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how do we get back into the middle, especially in a time of postpartum? So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with you. It's never my, never. And, and a lot of my clients understand that and like cognitively, like, no, I get it. Like, I get that I shouldn't want this, but like my body doesn't get the message or I'm still, this is still coming up for me. And because there is so much physical change and life change. And it's a tumultuous time for a lot of my clients. It's also just like reeling in, like, what are the emotions behind this? What is the root driver of this as well? Sometimes it's just this desire to control because so much is out of your control. And I see this happen. And I, this happened for me, definitely in my experience with sleep with my son, like so many things were out of control. And I was like, desperate to try to control something. And I was like, obsessed with like learning how to help him sleep better. And I feel like the same can be said for dieting and weight loss efforts in this period. It's like everything, everything's crazy right now. I need to, I need to feel some semblance of control. Yeah. All in the name of safety. I'm feeling so out of sorts and I feel like I'm like everything else is just controlling me. So what can I do to just kind of create that little bit of safety? Um, So it all makes sense. And I love what you said about just like prioritizing nourishment, like letting that be just the focus and letting everything else kind of fall away because that's often something I explain to my clients in our first call together, when they come to me, like wanting to lose weight, when they come to me wanting to do all these things. And that's, that's so valid. And that makes so much sense that they want to feel that way. You want to feel good in your body. You want to have these ideas about yourself that you want to reach. And that is allowed and that's welcome. And I think also at the end of the day, a lot of my clients want to have that sense of like true nourishment. Like I want to stop the hamster wheel. I want to stop dieting and stop doing all these things that haven't helped me so far. And obviously I'm here. And so I'm ready to finally just prioritize nourishment. So what does nourishment look like for a postpartum mom? So many different things at the root of it all is just really honestly helping her to eat enough food. That is the the biggest challenge my clients have, whether it's like they don't know how much they're supposed to eat or their like hunger fullness signals are so erratic because of years of dieting or depletion in this period and really helping her to understand like how often to eat, how to balance her meals, like all those core foundational things that sometimes we have to just relearn and get reacquainted with. But in terms of like a food focus, my biggest two things for postpartum moms are maximize your nutrient intake. And I say that from like a purely objective standpoint, not demonizing foods, not putting any foods on a pedestal, but if you have the choice to eat meal A or meal B, which one is going to be most, you know, nutrient dense. And at the same time, the second biggest priority is to not stress and to also find joy in that food. So to kind of weigh those two things, you know, if is this food going to be maybe the most physically nutrient dense, but like, I would actually enjoy the other thing more. And that's kind of tipping the scale, then eat the thing that you're going to enjoy more or find some way to combine them. But that's kind of how I keep it like foundation of eating enough food and balancing your meals. And then from there, it's like nutrient density, and finding that balance with stress and understanding, you know, I utilize testing and I, you know, like to provide lots of education for my clients for them to understand so that they can, you know, navigate 
what foods might be best for me in terms of what nutrients my body needs and listen to their cravings and really help to like, that's the tip of the iceberg stuff to really just like personalize what they're doing. Of course, you know, lots of easily digestible foods and warm and nourishing foods, particularly in like the early postpartum period. But yeah, that's the the main kind of philosophy. I think that at least with some of the women that I work with, and this is myself included, there was a lot of shame. And when you step into this health space, you're like, at least I did. Like I was like, all right, I'm all in, like going to make everything at home, never eating out again, (laughs) like all the oils, like, oh my gosh, God forbid. And (laughs) when you're so busy and you're a mom, like, I can't even imagine what that's like. There is... I don't know. For me, it was like, oh, but I'm just going to try to make it at home, even though it's going to stress me out. Like, and choosing the convenience sometimes is the best thing. Yeah. And I love how you said that because it's like, yeah, can we release the shame of it's not okay to eat out or it's not okay to choose like the, the, you're lazy. I feel like that's one thing that comes to my mind. It's like, oh, you're so lazy. I hear that from my clients often. I'm like, no, yeah, you're not lazy. You're just exhausted. Exactly. And I, I, preach that to my clients too, is like finding the, you know, balance between what's going to be the most like, you know, in your head, perfect quote unquote food versus like, what's going to help you right now. I have seen so many clients that like, they're literally not eating because they don't have the the quote unquote perfect option readily available. So I try to stress with them, like consistency over perfection, fuel in your body over perfection always. And yes, definitely be mindful if you ate a thing and you felt terrible after, like maybe not, that's not the most nourishing and supportive thing for your body moving forward. You live and learn, but how many times have you said that you're going to like, oh, I'll wait till I get home or I'll wait till the baby is sleeping. That's like very common for my clients. And then again, you can't control everything. And now you've gone six, seven, eight hours without food and your body is just, things are chaos. You're exhausted. Your blood sugar is crashing. You're angry and irritable. And one thing that I am always helping my clients with is like, how to identify the things that are easy for them to put together so they can bring some convenience to their lives. And also what are the prepackaged options? that you can buy, that you can grab when you need them. I am totally in the middle and 100% agree with you. It's like, you gotta, you gotta take that stress piece into the equation. I was watching, I don't know if you guys have seen it on Netflix, the Harry and Meghan documentary. Oh, not yet. (laughs) So (laughs) my mom and I were on the couch watching it last night and she had just given birth to Archie. And there's like this whole big deal about, you know, like the photo on the steps, like stepping out of the hospital with like baby in hand. Mm-hmm. That was the case for Lady Diana and uh, Queen Elizabeth and everything. And she didn't give birth at that hospital. So there was like this whole ordeal about it. And my mom and I, like when she came out, there was a different place and different time. And it was like three days after the baby was born versus like the day of. And she was like all dressed up in heels and makeup. And my the first thing my mom she said, she was like, the last thing you want to do after you gave birth is put makeup on, <laughs> get dressed. And I'm like, yeah, what about the first 40 days? And she's like, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know how closely you work with women. Like if you are with them throughout their entire pregnancy and like you're, you're watching them give birth. I don't know what that's like for you, but what are some of the things that you would recommend for a new mom? Like I yeah. guess starting with that. Like you said, simplify it, rest, 
um, as much as humanly possible. A lot of my clients I do work with like through the spectrum, like they're pregnant, they continue on with me, but lying in having people like, it's like not even at this point, you're not really even able to care for yourself. You need people to care for you. So there is often discussions about, and I do this with my pregnant clients. We have a postpartum planning session and I help them identify like not just foods and like, you know, freezer meals and those types of things. But I'm like, who in your life is going to help you? Whether it's your partner, whether it's your mom, your mother-in-law, your neighbor, whoever, whether it's a doula that you hire, you need people to tend to you and that you need that pressure taken off. So who's going to help you? Who's going to nourish you? And definitely just taking that like pressure off of yourself to like be or feel or do anything because you don't know how you're going to feel. I personally, and I only have one, so I don't know. It could be different the next time, but I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to lay around in my sweats. I wanted to just like snuggle my baby and I didn't want to go out of the house. And I had to go out of the house because we had so many like lactation issues. And I mean, I was at appointments and I was just in the worst mood that I had to do those things. And then some women feel really good and they want to get out and they want to even like have visitors and stuff. So you have to plan for what, you know, is anticipated, but then be able to kind of like adjust in a non-judgmental way, you know, when that baby's here, things might change. So rest, nourishment, help, and, and like no pressure is the biggest advice that I can give to women in that period. You mentioned next time. So if you want to have more children, what would, if there's anything that you would do differently, what would that be? It's such a good question because it's so interesting thinking about going into it again versus the last time. Like, you know, I thought I did, I did lots to prepare, but you know, you can only prepare for what you, you know, so far, like there's so many things you just don't know. I would be a lot more vocal about my needs and my boundaries in terms of visitors and not just me, like my husband as well, like to be able to, I I just thought like I wanted lots of help and I have lots of wonderful people in my life that were willing and wanted to do that. But then, you know, there are the people that aren't there to help and they mean well, but it's just stress. So I think that that's the biggest thing that I would, with that I would do is just, you know, voice those things and not be concerned with hurting anyone's feelings. Because at that moment, my feelings matter, the safety and nourishment of my baby matters and my family. Um, So that's probably the biggest thing that I would do differently. I love that. The boundaries piece is huge. I feel like that's something that's a lifelong practice. (laughs) Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard because, you know, I don't know. I feel like so much in my emotional and mental space, just like, oh my God, just changed so dramatically in that period. Like I said, you, you, I, I couldn't anticipate what was going to happen, but now it's like, I, not only am I upholding boundaries for myself, like I'm upholding boundaries for this, like helpless human, you know? And so, you know, you see these things like all over social media and, and I, I never really considered them, but like, there are people that will like want to kiss your newborn. (laughs) Like you have to, it's weird. It's uncomfortable, but you're, you are like the gatekeeper. You are, you know, you're their protector and having boundaries, not only for yourself, but for your baby is what I think was so, so like dramatic. Like, wow, it hit me. Like, this is, I need to do this. Mama bear mode. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. That's teaching and that's starting the teaching too for your baby. Like this is how you nourish yourself and how you hold boundaries because what they see you doing, they're going to end up doing. So if you can start that early, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but I can see how if you're in a super vulnerable space, I'm assuming very hard when you're very vulnerable, especially if you didn't make it known beforehand because maybe you didn't know this is how you would feel. And mm-hmm. then postpartum, 
you feel completely different than you thought you would feel and you don't want people to come over and you don't want exactly yeah exactly and Mm -hmm. I went through that with birth I had a doula and my husband and I like our birth plan or birth wishes like we're like that's it it's just going to be the doula and my husband um obviously like my birth team and I knew my mom wanted to be there and I wasn't malicious I was just like I don't I just want this to be us and then it turned out that I had to be induced and I was like scared. It was my first time. And my mom was there. And then she ended up staying. And like, I just, at that moment, again, like I was like, I need my mom and she stayed and she watched. And I, at this point, like, I'm so grateful that we had that experience. Cause I don't think, you know, we'd be able to do that again, but again, just like not judging yourself for planning things and then feeling differently in the moment. It's really hard. It's, it's hard with families. It's hard with, you know, those relationships, but in the end it's, it's what's best for everyone to like speak up and say those things. I love that you use the word wishes that like is that's what I'm going to use from now on because I feel like I've been creating my birth plan for the past. Well, I, I created it like six years ago. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, I already know what I want to do. Like, no need to try to change my mind. Like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And it, I've realized over the past year, I was like, wow, it is so fear-based. It is. And a plan is so set in stone that you have this plan. And when things don't go your way and inevitably, you know, Yes, I know some births do go as planned, but again, birth is so unpredictable. My birth did not, at least initially, go as planned. And I had to have backup. I had to understand like, okay, well, plan A is out the window and I have these backup options in terms of what feels good. And for me, it was all about not just the end result of like happy, healthy baby. Again, that can be so invalidating, but I knew what my major end goal was to have at least like the unmedicated, unsupported. That was what I wanted. And so if little things had to go awry, I was okay with that. Cause I knew I had the backup and I knew that it still could get me where I wanted to, to go. So yeah, I, I remember somebody, I don't know, I read that or heard it and I was like, that makes so much more sense than a birth plan. It does. I was listening to the author of wild feminine, Kimmy Lynn Kent in one of my trainings that I did with her. And she was talking about like, not only fear of intervention, but fear of, oh no, no, no. actually no, not for, for me. It's like fear of like, going to the hospital and yeah. doing all that. But it's, I think I didn't think of the fear of being okay with that. If that didn't, mm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't have what I want. Am I okay with getting the interventions that I need for me yeah. and baby? That's something that I'm still working on. I think it really comes from the, just the distrust and everything that has occurred over the years for me in like allopathic medicine. And it makes a lot of sense. So I'm trying to repair that relationship. Gabby and I talk about this too, because Gabby was a registered nurse as well. So she's had her, you know, fair share of that medicine and it does play its role. Like we need that. It does. It does. And you have to feel safe. And that's what's most important. And I think it's so common in our space for, you know, women to plan home births. I did not, I I did not, that was not something that I felt safe doing at that moment. I felt safer in a hospital, but again, I was so intentional about my birth team and I had midwives that I loved and felt very safe with because you have to be able to in birth, I mean, that's the main theme. You are relinquishing some control. You are letting your body and you're letting nature take over. And I know some women free birth and that's beautiful too, but like, I just felt like I need a team that I'm okay with. And I had so many instances, even nurses in the hospital that I'd never met before that I was like, 
what's your professional opinion? What do you think? Because even though I don't know these people, I at least respect them, of course, and trust them. And I wanted to hear them and hear what they thought so that I can make that decision. But that was something that in birth education and working with my doula was always, you know, imparted on us. Like, you need to be the one that's making the decision. You have every right to be. It's okay to just gather information and have different options. But I know what you're saying. It's so hard to, I don't know, it's 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 very hard to trust when you've been jaded by allopathic medicine. I, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. But I think there's repair that can be made once you've had that rupture. And that's what can be so beautiful too. So yeah, a work in progress, not giving birth any day soon. So I have time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that's what's yeah. so beautiful is that you have those thoughts already. And as you progress and change and grow as a person, those things might also. And that's part of the process. Like I, I impart that to my clients all the time. Like we're we're not static, we're dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, everything can change your thoughts, your priorities, your goals. And that's okay. Like that needs to happen. It's normal, right? Like that is actually very how things are supposed to be is that Mm -hmm. we're changing we're evolving I think in our society we get so black and white and when often when you get into the holistic space it's like okay I'm I'm never going to hospital again and then (laughs) like (laughs) it's just there are people there that are so brilliant and so good at what they do and if we can hold space for both then we are in the best hands. It gets easier. It just makes life easier when you're not holding on to, at least that's what I imagine. It's like this grip, like I'm never going to the hospital. It's like, oh, but if you hold space for both the duality of like, oh, okay. Like I, it just makes me want to take a breath. Like it's refreshing to feel that way, to, to not be so extreme, to not be so black and white. That's like, that's been my whole theme. This yeah. Year. <laughs> yeah. I live in the nuance of everything. I'm always, I've always been like that. I'm like, I'm always playing oh, devil's yeah. advocate. I'm always, I'm the questioner. I'm like, well, what about this option? What about this? And, and I love to hold space for that because I think like everything has to resonate with you and there's no right or wrong. And when it comes to birth and when it comes to postpartum and motherhood, my gosh, like everyone wants to tell you what's right. And you're going to get it from, mm-hmm society as a whole. And then if you're in the more holistic community, you're going to get, you know, to an extent, I mean, even if people aren't meaning that way, you'll still get those messages of what you're supposed to do and what you should feel. My son turned three in October and I'd never sat down and like wrote out or talked out his birth story. And at that point, like I talked to so many women and again, in our space, like with home birth. And I was like, I deeply respect home birth. I think it's amazing. And I hope that I want to do that one day. I think, you know, it would be awesome. But I also wanted to share a voice for those that are in our community that, you know, maybe don't want to do that or can't do that or whatever the case is to talk about a positive birth experience in a hospital. And so I actually sat down at his third birthday. It was so cathartic and like wrote out our birth story. And I was amazed. I was like, I'm not going to remember the details. And then as I was like writing it out, I was like, oh, wow, I remember a lot more than I thought I would. And like, especially like the feelings at that time. And it was, yeah, it was, it was nice to do. And and I don't know, hopefully someone will read it at some point and, and feel good and, you know, help them with their decision. That's awesome that you wrote it down. Thanks I'm always asking my mom about like my birthday because I don't know. I'm just so curious about it. I grew up watching birthday on the, what channel was it on? I can't was it a baby was it, story? I was going to say, was it TLC? TLC? Because I loved a baby story. I remember coming home after we school do. and watching that. I was like eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would like go get my little Debbie snack and sit down and watch. 
I love that show. I thought it was, yeah, I think, and what I think is so cool is that like we are drawn to birth and it's, there's so much fear around it. And even postpartum, like it's such a raw and intense and like chaotic time sometimes, but it's also so natural and it can be so beautiful. And when you take, you know, the like nourishment aspect and community care aspect and all of these things, those are not things that society is talking about that you're seeing in the media, like portrayals of of postpartum and, and birth. And I just find it so interesting that like as young girls, so many of us love that kind of stuff. I, I mean, I played with dolls my whole, we would like play like, you know, probably 10, 11, 12, still playing with dolls and babies. And, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's in us, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is in us. Yeah, that's what I was doing. It, was, it, it wasn't the Debbie snack for me, it was ramen. <laughs> grabbing my ramen. ramen. Oh, it was definitely ramen too. Yeah. Dry ramen. <laughs> Dry ramen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> I've never heard of that. Me and, me and my friend Hannah would like sit on my front porch and eat dry ramen like all the time. And I just can't wrap my mind. It's yeah. Ouch. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. What is the maternity leave today? Do you guys know? Like, Oof, is, it, is it the standard three Very months? different. Or, it's very different depending. No. It can be not, it can be zero for some yeah. people. Six weeks too for some people. And I'm curious your thoughts on this too around, and sorry, Kara, we can go on like, this is related, but women that have had C-sections mm-hmm. will often have the same maternity leave as someone who didn't and it's wild to think and what I know about a c-section it's a major abdominal surgery Mm -hmm. I mean you're cutting through everything there's other surgeries you can get that are less intense of course than a c-section and so yeah I guess maternity leave that's a good topic yeah it really is I'm so over the postpartum six weeks narrative it's like the one of the most important things that I talk about I mean just like I, I can't believe that this is what's normalized And that, like you said, like C-section or vaginal delivery, there's no rehab that's prescribed. And it's just like, okay, maternity leave, if you're lucky to have like support leave in general, and then with that, like support so that you can heal, but like a lot of women can't. And so six weeks is just a such a small amount of time to answer your question Kiara it was it depends on your state like I'm in New York so there's protected I think it's up to 12 weeks at a certain percentage of your salary and then if you're a business owner you can like pay into it but again like there's no universal support and it depends on your company which is crazy which is so I have some clients that have gone back to work at like two weeks three weeks Mm. yeah it's wild but yeah, C-sections are, are wild. C-sections are nuts. And there's no, again, rehab or education on, in general, your core and pelvic floor, unless you have a, a, a birth team, care team that is aware of that and, and recommends it. But even my midwives who I loved and were very holistic minded, didn't bring that up to me until I asked. I remember at my six-week appointment, which is an, another huge joke. Like you don't see anyone for six weeks and then you see them and you don't see them again. But I asked, do you think I should consult with a pelvic floor PT? And they were like, oh yeah, you can. Here's someone we recommend. But like that wasn't going to be brought up to me. No, I went out to lunch the other day with two of my best friends. One had a baby earlier this year and the other one is due next month. And we were having that discussion about, we were having a discussion about labor and she was asking questions about tearing and and things like that. And again, fear. She was like, I'm so scared of this happening to me. And so I was talking about my experience and like how pelvic floor PT helped me so much and how they can do internal exams. And 
my other friend who had a C-section was like, wait, what? And I'm like, mm. like, she didn't even, this was something that again, was not talked about with her. And so we were talking about like common symptoms and she's like, oh, well, yeah, that happens to me. I was like, well, this is not technically normal and you can, there's help available. So it was just, it was a wonderful conversation and I'm glad we had it, but for women to not be getting this information to me is so frustrating because now you're again, living with symptoms. It's going back to everything. It's like, now you're just living with symptoms that are so normalized that actually aren't normal and you don't have to deal with. I'm so grateful. I know about the pelvic floor now, like it just explained so much. And when I found out about it, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, why wasn't I taught this? I grew up like tucking in my belly mm-hmm. to like be ashamed of my belly. So like cinching whenever I could on, on top of that, the anxiety that I was dealing with, like just constantly contracted everything, just like lifted. Yep. And it makes so much sense that I developed digestive issues. And then I, so that's why I sought out pelvic floor PT. But when I was there, she was like, oh yeah, like we work with women in their preconception phase. Like, so they don't tear. Yeah. They give oh, birth. And I was like, that was something I wish I did. <laughs> Definitely like done the prenatal pelvic floor PT, the, you know, proactive stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's huge. I think every woman should, should explore that before they conceive and it's definitely throughout and after. Yeah. It's so empowering. That's what I think this all like really needs to be. It's like the fear versus the empowerment, learning your body, understanding your body, what's going on, how to be more in control of your symptoms of, you know, everything, the progression. Yes. There's things that you can't control, but there's a lot you can. And I'm sure you particularly, actually both of you, I know you've been doing so much nervous system work to find so much of the connections with pelvic floor and the core and the nervous system. And like, I, th- for me, that was one of my biggest aha moments of like, just the psoas and your glutes. And like, like you said, clenching and the emotional pieces to that, I think, oh my gosh, that's a whole other for postpartum, like something that I'm just like, oh my gosh, why are we not talking about this for birth trauma and postpartum depression and all of the things. But I just found that to be so very interesting and so very helpful to understand. Like I can do all these exercises Same with nutrition. I can do all these things, but like, if there is that component underlying, like those things might not stick, like they might not be permanent if you're not getting to that stuff too. Well, it's all connected. And that's what I loved about the pelvic floor PT that I went and saw. And she was like, we're just a piece of the puzzle. Like, it's great that you're a nutritionist because you have that. And then it's like weaving. That's why Gabby and I are so passionate about weaving this emotional stuff, like into our work, because that was the the bulk of our healing, right? Mm-hmm. Like getting to the juice, getting to the source of everything, understanding that the, 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 the symptoms that were presenting themselves in our bodies were from the dysregulation in our nervous systems. Yeah. And so when we support everything slowly in a titrated manner, right? Not, not going from zero to 100 <laughs> and doing all the things at once. Cause that is further contributing to the dysregulation, but having an understanding like, Oh, this is a lifelong thing. I'm not going to get to everything in a week. It's, it's, it's years of devotion to this body of work and and being able to feel your best self. So yeah, I love that you brought that up. And I found it to be interesting. And and again, this was my experience and I have a story, uh, a very short story, but something that I think is interesting to share that sometimes for women, they come to me because they're like, I'm feeling 
like, I'm so exhausted. My sleep is terrible. I'm two years postpartum and my cycle hasn't come back, like whatever their symptoms. And I'm ready to, to do something with my nutrition. And I'm like, great, like, let's do it. But then we talk about it and they have this, like, you know, many of us crazy health and, and stress history, but I'm not going to press that to that person because if they're coming from an undernourished and depleted state, like they're not physically or mentally, emotionally capable of addressing any of that stuff. It's like, so that's where my packages are six months. Sometimes my clients are like, you know, do you offer anything shorter? I'm like, no, because your things are going to open up as you are healing and you're going to start making realizations. Like one of my clients constantly on her weekly check-ins, she's always noting like how much better she's handling stress. And so many clients will say like how, you know, emotional things are starting to come up, memories that they, you know, weren't aware of and things that they were addressing in, in, in therapy, because when your body's nourished and your brain is not in survival mode and your body's not prioritizing, like you're able to do those things. So yeah, it's just as part of that journey, it, it so often will like veer in that direction for so many of my clients, even though they're just like, I'm going to start with food. But quick story with that, I, when I was like a year postpartum, I was like, you know what? I, I, I was struggling with like my mental health at that point. It was like a year into the pandemic. I mean, who wasn't? And I remember like having a discussion with my husband, like I'm really struggling. And I think that I've never done therapy. I, there's such a stigma around therapy, I think. And even at that point, like I was like, oh, something's wrong with me that I want to do therapy. Not the case. Um, but I was like, I think I want to work with a therapist. And I went through the postpartum support internationals directory to find someone. And I started meeting with this therapist who specialized in EMDR. I was a year postpartum. We started doing EMDR and I didn't, fortunately, like I wasn't triggered or activated like in any way by it. I just like, it wasn't really working for me. I was like, I just don't feel like this is right for the place that I'm at. And so I ended up, you know, ending that relationship and finding a new therapist. But I realized a few months into working with the new therapist, like, okay, my body like really wasn't ready to process like and work through old trauma. And so I worked with this new therapist and, you know, lots of like talk-based therapy and progressed to a point where she even brought it up to me. It was the same, it was the same session. We both came to the session. I was like, I think I'm going to have this discussion with her. And she ended up bringing first. She's like, I think we're done here. I think you're ready. And at that moment, like I was like, I was so much more called to doing some somatic work. So I found that to be so interesting because it like, it wasn't wrong. It was just not the right time for me. And in the realm of postpartum, in the realm of just like healing, you have to respect where your body's at. And that comes back to that, like titrating, you know, it's like so many women are called to so many of these things. And I'm so happy that they're coming to the forefront and they're being talked about more, but just because it's out there and it works doesn't mean it's going to work for you right now. Before you leave, don't miss out on one of our sponsors. Did you know when we sleep, we're our most vulnerable. This is why it's so important to optimize our sleep environments as much as possible. And sometimes that means simplicity less chemicals, less EMFs, less blue light. So on top of winding down away from electronics before bed, I like to also make sure my bedding is as clean as possible for optimal hormone balance. And I don't just mean sheets fresh out the dryer. We spend so much time in bed getting rest. I can't remember the exact amount of years we spend in bed, but it's a big number. And unfortunately, lots of fabrics today are covered with hormone disruptors and we don't even realize it. So I've started off by switching my pillows. My favorite body pillow is made by none other than Savvy Rest. It's built with certified organic kapok, 
and kapak is a cotton-like substance that grows from the ceiba tree. These trees can be found in tropical climates from Mexico to West Africa. And Savvy Rest believes in utilizing natural resources rather than synthetic materials for our health and of course the health of the planet. Savvy Rest body pillows come with an unbleached, naturally colored organic cotton casing with a soft flannel finish. If you'd like to purchase yours today, be sure to head to SavvyRest.com and use code KMW for a discount. Does that make sense? Oh, I love that. I always remind myself, my clients and myself (laughs) that we have to move at the pace in which your nervous system wants to move, moving at that cadence. Um, My own practitioner reminded me of this last week. She's like, your brain knows so much. So this is often the women that we're seeing and our, like our listeners can probably relate to that. Like we know so much up here. Our brains are brilliant. And now we're just trying to get the body to catch up. And that is a very, very, very slow progression. And we don't force anything to come up and out. We just kind of work with where the body's at. And if you know anything about somatics, we just let the body lead. The Mm -hmm. body will share its story when it's ready to, because we've done so much sharing from here, from our mouths. And we can talk about the story on and on and on, but the body just holds this through our patterns, through our behaviors, through our thoughts that surface. It's really a beautiful body of work. I really cherish somatics a lot. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's, that's really cool. So are you like doing somatic work on yourself right now? Or what does that look like? No, I started seeing another practitioner, like a somatic experiencing. And again, like was like, I don't know if this is the right fit, but I just like, I'm, I'm just someone like, again, now we're going back to the cognitive, like I want to learn more of the process. So I ended up doing a program, an online program that was like rooted in all of this and polyvagal theory because it combined like learning with resources and exercises. So I found that to be a wonderful gateway and I don't know where it'll go, but I'm so drawn to it and I'd love to like learn more about it and integrate it into my work. But at this point, I'm like, I want to be a student in this. I don't want to at this point, like, you know, be a, a provider practitioner because it's a whole new world for me. I mean, this is like when I was dealing with anxiety and panic attacks in my 20s, no one, this information was not readily available. I wish that I had it. So now I'm just like, I don't know. It feels like a lot of unlearning going on with me too. And like lots of aha moments. It's, it's, it's really cool work. I love that. I have a few moms that I work with who do like EMDR or just therapy in general. I'm, I'm working with a, a, a well, she's pregnant right now. And, um, we are doing SE together and it's so gentle. That's what I love about it because it's not this like cathartic release. that will be like so stressful. And then we're stressing mm-hmm. her body out, stressing her baby and all of that. But it's just supporting. I think that's all it is. It's just supporting the, the, the stress tolerance. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's, that's huge important. for me. Yeah. That's huge for me in my life. I remember again, like year postpartum where things kind of like really shifted for me. And I was just thinking like, why am I so stressed out? Why? And it wasn't, it wasn't cognitive. It was my body communicating to my brain again, like cognitively. I'm like, I don't have a lot to be stressed out about. I have a good life. I'm safe. My family's comfortable. We're nourished. We're healthy. Like, but that was the turning point for me to, to under, start to understand like, Hey, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just my body is in that protective mode, but I need to get 
to that through my body and, and learn to communicate that kind of in a different way. And so many of my clients are dealing with that as well. And it's, I feel it should be celebrated as a, you know, this, this concept of matrescence, like becoming a mother. It's such just the, the magnitude of it that these, th- wish these things were talked about more and women are understanding there's nothing wrong with me for feeling this way but here's a new kind of approach, a new way to explore and help my body heal. You mentioned about a year in feeling, do you think that your mental health, you were, I don't want to use the word struggling, but you know, your mental health was coming up earlier than a year, or do you think that's when you had the body awareness to say, okay, maybe I need some support. And then on top of that, when did you feel that shift happening toward, okay, I'm feeling better now? Do you have kind of, or is it blurry? <laughs> it's a little blurry, but I definitely, yeah. like, I definitely have a, a an understanding at this point of what go, was going on. A little backstory into my postpartum experience. My, my son was born October of 2019. So the pandemic happened a few months later and we had a horrible breastfeeding journey. He was born with restrictions. And again, that was information that like, wasn't really available to me. And I was so sleep deprived and stressed that I decided to exclusively pump for him. And it was like a journey of grief for me to, to like, really like everyone told me like, Oh, at least he's getting your breast milk. Right. Like that's the, at least you have a happy, healthy baby. And I didn't grieve that process. And I was so again, that control of like how much I was pumping every day and when I was pumping and like, that was my means of control. And so for a while, for that first year postpartum, I was living in fight or flight. Like I was like the definition of it. So activated and, you know, hypervigilant. And throughout that experience of at the same time, like not having, you know, I had my village, but overall, like what the world was going through, I felt so isolated that like at that year postpartum was when my body's like, yeah, we've had enough. And I was so depleted and I feel like I just crashed. And so the experience beyond that was more of this, you know, that's when I started diving deeper. That's when I learned HTMA. That's when I ran my own. That's when I started diving into that area as well as like the mental health piece. And what I found to be so interesting and talk about things that are women, moms, especially like feeling bad about, I went through this intense period of just like rage (laughs) and like, why am I feeling like this? And for me, it was like moving out of that dorsal and like moving back through sympathetic. Like it was just a roller coaster of things. So, so that question around that two year mark was where I felt like a lot of, and I think there's some like natural progression in that in terms of my son. Like it's a different stage and I have more of my freedom back a little bit and, and feel like more like myself, but that was kind of the journey for me. It was, it was definitely a roller coaster. I mean, it's still not perfect, but it was up and down for quite a while. Wow. Thank you for bringing that up. I think that you're going to help a lot of people feel very seen the rage piece. Cause I think there's a lot of shame around that and a lot of people and the fact that your progression happened with the grieving, realizing that you hadn't grieved. And then the rage came because we talk about this a lot that the grief is often covering up actual anger and rage and all of that or the opposite the anger can come in and then the grief can erupt after that because it's protective 100 so whatever timeline I was always my life like I was always the quiet and shy and not reactive and you know to a to a flaw and so for me to experience this like 
being so triggered, it was so foreign to me that it was inspiration for me to learn, like, what is going on? This is not me. But yeah, that just kind of unfolding of this becoming of a new person to an extent and really having to get like reacquainted with yourself and all the old things that come up. I mean, it's, it's a process and it's, I think can be a beautiful one and such an opportunity. That's something that I, you know, tell my clients, like postpartum is such an opportunity for so many different things. And I think it's helpful for us to learn to look at it that way. Love that. Kim, where can everyone find you and keep up with you? And what do you have in the works right now? So I'm most active on Instagram at Root and Branch Nutrition. That's my website as well. I have a TikTok. I don't know if I'll ever, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, but I'm at Root and Branch Nutrition everywhere. I'm actually launching a postpartum group program in the winter. I'm so excited Yay. about it. I feel like it's just this calling of mine. So we're going to run hair tests together and we're going to meet and we're going to, it's going to be just solely focused on postpartum and also bringing women together who are in that stage of life to build some community and some connection. So that's my like big project in the works. I love that. We'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes. And I think we just have one more question for you because it is the body wisdom podcast. We're curious what's some of the best wisdom you've received? whether it's relating to postpartum or not from elsewhere or from my, like, are you thinking like from my body wisdom or your body? It does not matter. Just any wisdom. I think that just the concept of I matter, you matter, you as a mom matter was something that again, I was putting myself, pushing myself down my list of priorities. And it's something that I want to inspire women to understand, like you are not selfish for taking care of yourself for prioritizing yourself for even putting yourself first. That is something that I want all women to really understand is that they matter. Beautiful. Beautiful. We'll end on that note. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show, Kim, to everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks ladies. It was such a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed that episode with Kim. I think that she gives such a grounded experience to herself, but also to other postpartum women in the, in the way that she supports clients. And I don't know about you all, but for me, not having been through this experience before, there's definitely fear that comes up around pregnancy, around postpartum, as we talked about a bit. And having support like Kim and somebody who is very real about it and isn't making it this fantasy world that maybe we hope to have. And she shares her own tough experiences. I hope that you felt seen if you have had babies before or you feel excited that there is support out there like Kim, if you will go down the motherhood journey one day or just becoming a caregiver in general. There's so many ways that you can be supported. Let us know if you like this episode. And just a reminder, our Body Basics course is actually now open for enrollment, which we're so excited about. It's an audio-only learning experience that will teach you the nourishment and nervous system foundation so that you can build resilience on your own and in your own time with our support. So we want this to be really intentional for you. And that's why audio only will be easy to take on the go. But for the visual learners, you'll also have PDFs that you can reference and even print out to support you along the way. So you don't always have to be pulling up the course all the time to get the information. It will be really easy to take on the go and keep in your home. So The link will be in the show notes as well. And let us know if you have any questions. We're so excited. And that's why we're excited to also share her live group program that is starting on March 13th. 
So if you're interested in gaining support, if you're in the first few years of postpartum and kind of feel maybe even a little bit lonely or overwhelmed, I love group programs. I don't know about you, Gabby, but just having support from a facilitator who has been through it, as you mentioned, like Kim, and also just women who are on a similar path as you just trying to support one another. Gabby and I always talk about the concept of community. So inside of her program, you're going to get individualized support as well as group support. You're going to get three months together. You're going to get some learning options as well inside education, of course. And yeah, I think the support piece is probably just the biggest piece of any group container. So Be sure to click the link in our show notes for Nourished Postpartum if you are interested in joining. Again, the group begins on March 13th. We will see you next time. Bye.